Oh, you uh, you host the full court press. No way. Yeah. You've done it the last two times. Well, because you didn't bring your uh, cord last time, so I had to out of necessity, but this is how it always goes. No, this is the last three times because we recorded twice in studio. Nope, this is all you, champ. No, when we're in the studio, I host. No, 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 no. Welcome to the full court press. <laughs> hey, it's the full court press. We're at the press restaurant in the plaza. Um, it's really good. Chisholm, talk about the press because this is your place. This is my place. I uh, I have a habit of going to the restaurant, the same like you know restaurant, and ordering the same two or three things over and over and over again. I'm one of those people, right? I don't try out a whole lot of the menu. Once I find something I like, I stick to it. Today I pivoted. I went with the shrimp and grits, which is something I've not ordered here at the press before. I was uh, looking for something maybe a little seafoody as opposed mm. to my normal buffalo mac. And let me tell you, boys and girls, you want those omega three fatty acids. They're good for it was you. incredible. Yeah. It was absolutely incredible. Brown gravy on top, which is my uh, my personal favorite. Brown gravy over white gravy. I know I'm in the minority there, but uh, the shri- the shrimp was awesome. The press is awesome. It's a great place to come hang out. And we're actually sitting out here on a patio all by ourselves, no one else around, breathing nice fresh air. Yeah, a little warm, but the press can't control that. Yeah, I'm, maybe they need to get on that you now for the future. Uh, but. Lovely day, lovely day at the press, lovely day in terms of the NBA because Chisholm stuff's happening finally. We're we having ha- we news. have like transaction rumors. I know, like I, I kind of found myself last night going, because I knew that this whole thing was going to take place, uh, transaction stuff, like players either deciding that they're not going to be going to Orlando, uh, players being added to rosters, and I kind of found myself going, I guess I need to get back into the writing mode, because I've like... I've written a handful of things here and there over the last three or four months, but concerning the Thunder, there just hasn't been that much news to even write about. And last night I was like, man, I need to stop being so relaxed and comfy because for all I know, Lou Dort could be signed to a deal or the Thunder could add like an Alan Crabb and I'm nowhere near my laptop. I'm nowhere near and like, oh God, I got to, I got to do my, my job. Yeah. Job. Job. I believe it's job. I don't know. It's been a, it's been a minute. <laughs> I think it's job. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the transaction rumor stuff has been fun. Obviously, David Nawaba signed with Houston yesterday, which I don't know if anybody cares about that other than me, since David Nawaba was, like, my secret favorite Chicago Bull player for a while. <laughs> uh, you know, J.R. Smith signs with the Lakers, or, I'm sorry, is rumored to potentially be signing with the Lakers uh, since Avery Bradley announced that he's not going to be going to Orlando. I mean, that's just kind of the process we're in right now, which just feels like, you know, the course of a normal NBA season, right? This is almost like... Uh, Right here, after the All-Star break, you know, there's three or four days before games get started again, and there's a few handful of transactions going on. That's kind of what we feels like right now. But, uh, you know, basketball is right around the corner. I guess the teams are reporting now. We'll have uh, yeah, we'll have scrimmages here in a few weeks, and then things will be off and running if everything holds. Yeah, and I guess as it concerns the Thunder, um, I now I th- I believe they're all here, and they should. I think they all should have been there by Monday. But I think international players that were you know, in their native countries. I think they had until... Thunder have a lot of those. Yeah. I think they had until today, Wednesday, or tomorrow to officially get a report back to Oklahoma City, but I believe they're all here. So let's just run through the inter- international players. Shay, did he ever go back to Canada? Yeah, he's been in Toronto. Okay. So he's back. Now, I think, I think initially he wasn't able to go back because remember the NBA told, like, international players, you need to stay in America. You need to stay in America. Right. Um, and then also America and Canada have that closed border thing, but I'm going to assume that millionaire basketball players that are native to Canada were able to probably find a way to go back home. The only reason why I think Shea was was in Canada was because he'd often tag himself in his Instagram posts in Toronto, so like that's what I'm basing that sure. off. Sure. Uh, but yeah, Shea, Lou Dort is Canadian as well. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, of course, German. Was he in Germany? 
Um, he wasn't in Oklahoma. I know he purchased a team while he was away. Yeah. <laughs> he's been quite busy. Um, he's even showing off his abs, so guess what? They're lifting weights. Does he have abs? Uh, did you see that picture of him? No. With the kettlebell? Yeah. No. Multiple uh, abs? Single ab? Multiple abs, and let's just say the lighting was very, uh, it was very uh, flattering. Okay. Very flattering to him. Okay. Uh, yeah, Dennis, German, Stephen Adams, New Zealandy, New Zealander. Which is like the best place to be right now. I know, and I think I told you on Monday, um, if I'm Stephen Adams, like when we're going down the list of like which Thunder player would potentially want to sit out this Orlando thing, and often people will say like Danilo Gallinari because he's older, he's on the last year of his deal, may not want to risk it. Yeah, he's it. on a big payday here in a few weeks. Yeah, he's also probably he's had the, the best understanding of this virus being that he's from Italy. And Italy initially was the hardest hit country that was willing to share information, um, of course, <laughs> at the time. Um, so, yeah, it makes sense with Daniel Gallinari. But if I'm Stephen Adams, like, yeah, why do I want to go to America right now? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's kind of nice here in New Zealand. Like, they had, well, they had a rugby match or they had, like, a soccer match with a full stadium of fans because they've conquered the virus. They just shut down their island. They have four million people uh, population-wise. Like, yeah, why, why would he want to go to America? <laughs> It's a great question. Uh, so New Zealand's rocking and rolling, and Stephen Adams is coming back to Oklahoma, which has a giant spike in cases as we go. Okay, so uh, Stephen Adams, I assume he might not be back yet because that's a little bit more of a travel uh, negotiation there as far as getting from New Zealand to America. Uh, other international players. Danilo Gallinari. Danilo Gallinari, but he's been back in. He's either been here or he lives in Denver when he, like, that's where his American home is. Right. He never went back to Italy. Yeah, which that would be an easy travel. Right. He never went back to Italy. Am I missing anybody else? I think it's everybody. Uh, Abdul Nader. Oh yeah. yeah well, yeah. he's he's from he's, Chicago. Though, he's from he? Chicago. Like he, uh, tell me about high school basketball in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to bring that story up, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> tell me about what high school basketball was like in Egypt. <laughs> I grew up in Chicago, champ. Did they put a basketball goal in the Sphinx? <laughs> they might have. They might. Have. It must be really hard to get a basketball goal set in sand. Oh, yeah. You know, you dig a hole in dirt, you know, it eventually just kind of hardens around it, keeps basketball upright. Sand, I feel like it's shifting all the time. It's probably hard to get a basketball goal in. You remember Buddy Heald's senior year when he was on the tournament run and that story came out of, like, like his him growing up, like, playing basketball in the Bahamas, and then there was, like, that famous picture of the basketball hoop that he played on, and it was just this riggedy, just crappy rim, just kind of gave you an understanding. It's like someone Photoshop a, a basketball, that, that same goal on the, ba- on the ass of the Sphinx. Yep, there you go, <laughs> for sure. But uh, I don't think he – I don't know if he would have gone to Chicago. I can't imagine. Because I don't think his family lives there anymore. But I might be making that up. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I think Maddie Lee wrote a story on on him before she went to go cover the Cubs, which, thank God for her, baseball is now officially back. <laughs> Actually, let me, I don't believe it. I want to give you two minutes I just to bitch it. about baseball because you've done a good job about it on the radio. I need you to just bitch about baseball right well, now. Well, yeah, okay, so just how about this? I'll sum it up this way. You know all the arguments we've been having since March 13th, apparently they don't ma- they don't matter. It's stupid. No, no, no. Literally, they don't matter. All the 40 games, 70 games, 120 games, 75 games, 165 games. All of that shit. None of it mattered because 2 days ago the player association said, "You know all the stuff we've been talking about? Fuck it. We don't want to talk about it anymore." <laughs> That agreement that we signed in March, that's what we're going to go off of, which basically means the commissioner can make the schedule, tell them when and where, and the players get their full salaries. Like That, that is the agreement they signed in March. Now, prorated salaries, as far as like if they play 81 games, they get half of their salary, so on and so forth. Um, but they just went back and forth negotiating for months and months and months, dragging their names through the mud, making themselves look like assholes, and then basically said, you know what, screw it, let's not even worry about it anymore. 
It's incredible. <laughs> that is incredible. I, I imagine if the NBA did something like this. Imagine if the like during this this downtime. Well, obviously for this to, ha- to for this to work, the NBA season would have already had to have been over or hadn't already begun. What if the NBA just decided to have collective bargaining agreement? negotiation talks during the pandemic. I feel like the NBA, which always kind of has a up- uphill battle with the casual fan because it's the it's of the three sports, it's the newest one, it's the most recent sport, it's the progressive sport, so that's going to kind of turn away some a portion of the population in terms of casual sports fans. The NBA was doing something like this. My god. It would just it would be embarrassing. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I can go ahead and tell you, a segment of the population would really love to just rail on the NBA right now. Those softies and those snowflakes. Yeah. So, I mean, we would be having that conversation. But truthfully, I don't I, – I guess I'm glad baseball's coming back. But if you actually read the finer details of like, okay, July 1st, they're all reporting for spring training. We're going to get going. Go read the actual details. The players have not agreed to that. <laughs> the players have also said they're not coming. So, yeah, I know that there is a schedule for baseball, but unless it's going to be like the replacements and Shane Falco is going to be the starting pitchers for the Dodgers, well, can they're, they're still not quite there yet. They're Cliff, still not quite there. Clifford Franklin's going to like run over fastest guy you've ever seen. Fastest son of a bitch I've ever seen. Dude, that guy can bag some groceries, too. I man. mean, baseball is going to be in for a rude awakening because, I mean, it, it, none of that mattered. You're right. I, w- I wish for baseball's sake they would have just decided none of that mattered. Let's just go ahead and do it a month ago because they would have been able to have like a short little window where they were the only team sport on television and could have grabbed a casual fan like me who doesn't really ever sit down to watch baseball or even follow it because there's just nothing else on. But now they're going to be playing right up against the NBA, right up against uh, college football and the NFL once they get their seasons going, and baseball ratings will plummet. Because I don't know if you saw this – they're going to be starting the six days before the NBA? Seven days before the NBA? Yeah. The uh, 30 for 30 with uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Did horrible ratings. Horrible ratings. And, you know, Less as, than, as it was a, like a third of NASCAR. Yeah. As a casual sports fan who loved playing baseball as a kid and in high school, but never really got into watching the professional game, that's one of the two memories that I have of being really enthralled with baseball. I watched the 30 for 30 because I'm like, I remember being a kid and just going, like, oh my gosh, like, like they're that much closer to the record. This is awesome to follow, and yet it's just a it's just a bigger kind of like neon sign pointing to the fact that no one gives a shit about this sport. And yeah. they had a chance to grab some people, and they didn't. But you know, fuck baseball. So let's uh, talk. Let's go back to basketball. Uh, Chisholm, Avery Bradley, has big hu- difference maker. Have you ever seen <laughs> such a hubbubaloo about a ninth man? So, so should we? People talk about- were losing their minds yesterday about a guy who. People, let's talk about Doug Gottlieb. Well, Doug Gottlieb, as in as one of my the smartest people I know put it, is an imbecile. <laughs> so I mean, but Doug was speaking for a segment of the popular. Does anyone give a shit about the ninth man on the Thunder? Who's the ninth man? Abdul Nader? Hamadou Diallo, Abdul Nader. I mean, so if if Hamadou Diallo came out and said that he's not going to Orlando, would all Thunder fans go, "Why? That's weird," and then simultaneously go, "But that doesn't really change anything." Well, probably. Okay. Let, let's unpack this real quick. For like losing Avery Bradley, if you're the Lakers, that's I mean he's the ninth guy on the roster, but that's a that's a significant loss. I mean this is this is a team, the Lakers, that's certainly a title contender. Um, well, he's not closing, right? I mean Danny Green's no, but close. He, but he's a nice two way player to have. And Thunder fans listening to this, how many times have you said I want Avery Bradley? If we had Avery Bradley, we'd be a much better squad. Avery Bradley, Courtney Lee, and uh, oh gosh, there's another one. Uh, oh oh, uh, Nicholas Batum. 
was always a guy. No, no, no. There was a shooting guard. I'm trying to think of shooting guards. Aaron Aflalo. Aaron Aflalo. Uh, yeah. Yes. That, that was the guy Bill Simmons wanted, which now Bill Simmons is like. There's also another guy here in Oklahoma mud. City who just thought Aaron Aflalo was a borderline MVP candidate. <laughs> Calling for him constantly. <laughs> I would get updates from friends who'd be like, "Hey, do you know what uh, you know what Homeboy's talking about right now?" Aaron Aflalo. I go again, again. Does he not have anything else? Again, Aaron Aflalo. But okay, so Avery Bradley, yeah, ninth guy on the roster uh, or off the bench. I I, th- I I have a high opinion of him as a player, and we kind of talked about this before we went on. Um, his ceiling is much higher, or no, his his floor is much higher than J.R. Smith, who the Lakers are essentially replacing. We presume with. I don't think it's formalized yet, but we assume he's going to be the the replacement. Yeah. And the sim- for the simple fact of J.R. Smith can just randomly get hot. He can drop twenty twenty one in a quarter, um, but he's not going to give you anything on the defensive end of the ball where Avery Bradley can do that. So, like, I, I think it's a significant loss for the Lakers in terms of just the basketball. Having said that, I'm not shitting on Avery Bradley whatsoever for deciding not to go to Orlando. And I would assume that, like, LeBron James, Anthony Davis probably are in full understanding and, like, they're, he's in his he's in their good graces. I would imagine that would be the case. So whenever – because it's going to happen. Whenever J.R. Smith in, round, in the Western Conference Finals puts up 21 points because he hits seven threes, does everyone have to go, you know what, I'm glad Avery Bradley didn't come? Do we all have to, like, retroactively go back? That's my point is – Avery Bradley probably would have had a nice game, two nice games in the playoffs. J.R. Smith will probably have a nice game or two nice games in the playoffs, right? That, so I, I really think it's a wash. And that's, I guess it's just because people are just outraged that rich people can decide not to work. I really hate to break it to everyone. Every rich person in any type of industry can decide not to work right now. They're just playing by a different set of rules. That's okay. Yeah, I mean... So I don't know why that matters. I can, I can understand. Again, if it was LeBron James or Luka, I would get the, the outrage slash disappointment. I yeah, would get that. There's nothing wrong with like a healthy display. Like if you're a Lakers fan and you're and you're just like I, I just want my sport back and I want my team to win a title, like losing Avery Bradley and gaining J.R. Smith, like I'm sorry, that's kind of a it's a negative. Now, is that going to alter the Lakers title chances? No, but it is a I think it's a significant loss. And if I'm a Lakers fan, I, I'm disappointed, but I also have a brain and for his I, I think Avery Bradley's reasons were like he has a son that has um, a history of respiratory illnesses and yeah. a difficulty of recovering from these illnesses. So, like, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not pissing on Avery Bradley whatsoever. But I, at the same time, I can be disappointed. Yeah, I guess just in my world, it feels like people are just mad at the decision, less about the person. Because there's not like anybody right now at their house wearing an Avery Bradley Lakers jersey with an Avery Bradley poster behind them as they hold their Avery Bradley signed memorabilia, going <laughs> no. <laughs> that person doesn't exist. So I just don't know. These people are like mad for someone who doesn't actually exist. I guess is my point. Like no one's yeah. out there clamoring, going, "Oh, now, now the pl- asterisk got Avery Bradley's not there. This championship <laughs> means less." No one's doing that. What does this matter? I don't. I cannot believe that people were arguing about that yesterday. I just can't, I, who, who could who could go off for Milwaukee in like a hypothetical Lakers Bucks finals? Who who could go off? for Milwaukee that Avery Bradley probably would have been assigned to, to guard Kyle on Korver? Kyle Korver. Kyle uh, Korver. Wesley Matthews. Pat Connaughton. <laughs> one of those guys. If one of those guys scores 20 points in a finals game, people will be like, man, Avery Bradley, J.R. Smith, not the same defender. You can, Which J.R. Smith is actually a pretty good defender when he wants to be. I could already see the Windhorse tweet of like, uh, yeah, if like one of those guys goes off in a quarter, Avery Bradley would have been guarding this guy, and then that's going to bring up the debate and the conversation of like, Avery Bradley's an asshole for like quitting on his team. It's like, all right, all right, guys, yeah. come on now. We can't. We, the one thing I will say that I think does matter a little bit is now the Lakers are sending LeBron James to Orlando to be quarantined with two months without his family, and his 
cast of characters, if you will, is going to be Rajon Ronda, JaVale McGee, <laughs> J.R. Smith, and Dion Waiters, who I don't think anyone remembers, signed with the Lakers like yeah. a few days before the quarantine started. Yeah, you called it a toon squad, and it was so perfect. Because, yeah, I totally forgot that, um, A, I forgot that they had released DeMarcus Cousins before the hiatus of the season. Right. I, I, all those things back in early March, I just kind of forgot. Um, I had also forgotten that Dion Waiters was on the Lakers. And then just the thought of Dion, J.R. Smith, JaVale McGee in the same locker room with LeBron James. And then he brought this up. Maybe LeBron just thrives off chaos. And I thought that's perfect. Everywhere he goes, it's like they, they're signing the weirdest players. And I don't mean bad people. Like J.R. Smith isn't a bad guy. Kick the crap out of a guy for trying to break into his car. But truthfully, I understand that. Yeah, I would do the same thing. Deion Waiters, <laughs> not a bad guy. Does he like edible gummies when he's on a plane? Yeah. Did he probably think about the fact that he's at higher altitude and it's going to hit him different? So don't eat the whole gummy? No. So is he a moron? Maybe. But he's not a bad guy. JaVale McGee, not a bad guy. But they're all lunatics. <laughs> And he loves having lunatics around. He's had he Michael, can't help himself. He's had Michael Beasley as a teammate. Multiple times. Yeah. I, I, he's had J.R. Smith multiple times. I think I, that is the part I don't understand. And, and it's either something where LeBron maybe just feels like, a, I want these guys under my wing because if I'm, if I'm their captain, I can keep them in line, I can give them a positive influence, and at the same time, these guys are talented and they can provide something to help me win a championship. And if I'm their captain... I can get the best yield out of them possible. It's either that or it's something that I've always kind of thought about LeBron James is that he has kind of a martyr complex where he just wants to be in a situation where he can just openly bitch about things. Well, he's got to have an out, right? In case things don't go his way, he needs an excuse. My wrist is broken. I was about to say my wrist is broken. That's exactly what I was about to say. I've had the coronavirus this entire time. (laughs) It's hard to breathe. Have you seen the uh, Reddit conspiracy theory that the reason LeBron James is so adamant about returning is because he was one of the Lakers players who tested positive? You know, because they had... They three, had four, four, uh, four, three, I believe, four, whatever. Four. Test positive, but they never came out with names. And so there's a big segment of the population who think Anthony Davis and LeBron James were those four, so they know that their best players will be okay. First off, just for a moment, if you had the coronavirus, you could still get it again. That has been proven. Is it predictable? No, but it happens. So that's not a foolproof plan, but I like conspiracy theories. I don't know who – I can't remember who said this to me, but if um – if LeBron James was for sure one of those four players that tested positive for it, I think we would have known about it because I think yeah. LeBron would have told us. No doubt. Just knowing his personality, like I think he no, would No, actually. I think he would have milked you it. You don't think there's a chance that they lose like in the Western Conference Finals, he doesn't go to the press conference and go, well, you know, there was three weeks during the quarantine where I couldn't work out because I had the virus. <laughs> I Seriously, I think that's a possibility. The wind horse stories will kind of There'll be a the whole woodworks. book about him not working out for three weeks during the coronavirus quarantine. And look, I don't mean to – I don't think I can speak for both of us. We're not trying to belittle, like, the coronavirus. Oh, I'm taking this way the, more seriously than anyone listening. Yeah, I promise that. But, I mean, LeBron James has a track record. It's it's undeniable. Oh, no. We all had that person in the office, right? You show up to a meet. I can, maybe, I'm going to speak for myself here because I've had a real job, Brady. I don't know about you. Oh, I know. Uh, you show up to an office. You have a meeting with your boss. Everyone kind of has to present a little bit of what they're doing. And there's always that one guy who never meets expectations but always has a reason why. Every single time, every single week, always has an excuse of why he didn't do what he was supposed to do. LeBron James is that guy. Now, at a bigger scale, in a public forum, and in a sport, which truthfully – grand scheme of the world doesn't actually matter but he's that guy he always shows up to the business meeting well I didn't win the championship but here's why no 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 my friend you cowered down to JJ Barea <laughs> I've gotten all my LeBron James you had you had post prime Wade like try to take over like on the fly like oh this is my team again okay all right fine yeah I'll take over I'll take over it's good <laughs> it's good I 
I've deferred to you for the last four months, but okay. <laughs> Have you? I uh, actually watched one of those finals games the other day. Oh yeah, I did that like right when the quarantine started. Really? I went back and watched. I think it was it game four or game five where the heat melted down. Game four. That's yeah, the one I watched. I love that game because the heat melt down, but Dwayne Wade just goes off, and Dwayne he's by Wade far is like single-handedly carrying the team. Yeah. And J.J. Barea is guarding LeBron James at the post, and LeBron James is passing out of it. It is just – it is a sight to see. We forget how insane that was. Yeah, people give, like, Deshaun Stevenson credit for being the LeBron stopper in that series. Who does that? Who's doing that? He was, like, the he was like great value Lance Stevenson. He was just getting up in LeBron's grill. Yeah, and so they would – Deshaun Stevenson would come down and guard him for possession, and then it was, like, Jason Kidd and then Dirk and then J.J. They were just basically rotating bot- – Jason Terry guarded him for a couple possessions. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of Tyson Chandler on LeBron. That kind of makes sense to me on paper, but this, it didn't really happen as much as I – No, but everyone else on the floor – was taking turns at LeBron James, which is usually what you do with the worst player on the floor. Yeah, it, it was, it was, it was something to truly see. It was a marvel of the NBA that I will hold against him forever, and I think I'm justified in doing so. I know some people don't like uh, news stories breaking on podcasts, but Malcolm Brogdon just tested positive for coronavirus. But that's actually not good. It's not good, uh, but again, like like you've seen, and like you should probably feel if you have a brain like it's to be expected players are going to test positive yes and it it shouldn't be like a a damning like i guess you shouldn't have a damning opinion of like the sport continuing because the nba is fully prepared for this uh, i believe the players are probably prepared for this nikola jokic tested positive in serbia so he's he's been granted a little bit more leniency in terms of like being able to report back to america all all signs are pointing to him coming back to Next america week, right? within the week yeah. So that's, of course, good news. I'd imagine Malcolm Brogdon is probably just as shocked as we all are that he tested positive for it because, you know, it seems like a lot of these cases, and fortunately so when we're talking about NBA players, oh, I have the virus? Oh, that's news to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. The asymptomatic thing is really making it difficult. But also Malcolm Brogdon was one of the uh, people who obviously were participating a lot in the protest, so it doesn't shock me in that way either. He was yeah. more outspoken. Yeah, it's uh, – that's what I've actually kind of liked, This just as a random plot line in the social protests going on right now in the NBA, and this is specifically about basketball, relating a very serious issue that we all are taking seriously and as we absolutely should be the number one story in America right now, uh, along with the pandemic. Let me take this very serious thing and make it very silly. I'm actually learning a lot about who the actual leader in locker rooms are. In terms of, like... Because you can see who's out... Who, who are the people who are going to these rallies and speaking who are doing the public speaking or who are leading the event, it, I mean, logic would check out that those people are probably also the people who are most comfortable speaking in front of their teammates, right, in a locker room. Well, see, that's an interesting dynamic that you bring up because uh, let's talk about someone that's near and dear to the hearts of a lot of people that listen to this podcast, Russell Westbrook. He is on a team that I think we all, all would agree, and I think Russell Westbrook agreed when he was traded to Houston, yeah, this is not my team as if it were the Oklahoma City Thunder where it is my team. Right. It's James Harden's team. Mm-hmm. But James Harden, other than just losing a lot of weight because he's not able to go to clubs and strip clubs and drink a lot of alcohol anymore, um, and he's just, you know, like, I guess I'll go run today. He's looking he, flaky. He, I like he, it. He looks like he's in prime shape for a playoff run. Uh, Russell Westbrook has been very visible and very vocal with the Black Lives Matter movement, and he even did a, a simulcast uh, block party in Tulsa uh, during the Trump rally last weekend. So he's been very forthcoming and very – like taken the platform and gone with it and he's also um, been public with the uh, Tulsa race massacre sure. uh, documentary that he's uh, helping fund so 
Yeah, like, I would have no doubt that Russell Westbrook probably just has – maybe the, there's nothing wrong if you're James Harden if you just don't have that I'm a vocal leader aspect. You don't always have to be that type in order to be great. But it's an interesting dynamic that you bring up because, like, I can definitely see Russell going like, all right, we're here to do a job. Let's go do it. And then James Harden's like, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, again, like the Indiana thing, who do we all probably think the leader of that team is? Victor Oladipo, right? And I'm not saying he's not, like, the spiritual leader of that team, but if you just go look, okay, who's been in the news more and who's been talking more the past three Malcolm Brogdon's been in everything. Malcolm Brogdon, George Hill. So by logic. Or no, George Hill plays George for Milwaukee. Milwaukee. So by logic, it's probably easy to say that while Victor Oladipo is maybe the on-court leader of that team, whenever they get into the locker room, the guy who's actually probably holding people accountable or having tough conversations might be Malcolm Brogdon. I don't know. I just think I think we're seeing these players in a little bit different of a light. It's reflecting more on their character. And that's saying people who aren't speaking up don't have great character. I'm just saying they just don't feel comfortable speaking in front of groups. That takes a different kind of person. And, you know, might give us a little bit of glimpse of kind of what the dynamic is behind closed doors. That also might be make me making a big stretch uh, and things that no, don't I, actually I, relate. I think I think it's – I don't think it's a stretch at all because this is such a unique situation for all the obvious reasons. We can't project really anything from the regular season into this, you know, the, the next eight games that round out the regular season and then the postseason. Like, everything that happened in the regular season, like, you kind of have to throw out the window in some respect. But if you do have strong leadership, I think that it's nothing but a positive going into the Orlando scenario. Right. And the Thunder have one of the best leaders in the game, regardless of the fact that there's a pandemic going on. But, um, I mean, think of these reasons for Chris Paul. He's kind of been like as the president of the Players Association. This is like this whole thing is probably a little bit of his brainchild um, in order like to get to resume play. So he has that investment into it. He also has the investment of like I got traded to Oklahoma City, a place that people said that okay, I'm washed, I'm old. This isn't where I I'm not gonna have any our Vegas win here. total was twenty three and a half. Yeah, so you have kind of like the fu like we're going to salvage as much out of this situation as possible, and they've done more than salvage. You know, they had a chance to grab the four seed if they were able to play that Utah game. And, you know, you have all this built-in kind of, like, fuck you-ness for Chris Paul going into this. Sure. Like, the Thunder have to be one of the more optimistic squads going into this. Now, I have my reservations about the Thunder for a multitude of reasons um, from the from what we were able to see of them on the floor going into Orlando. But at the same time, I can't deny that, man, this the chemistry on this team, the leadership on this team is pretty effing sound for a team that doesn't have a title aspiration. You know, it's probably right up there with Houston be, just for all the Russell Westbrook reasons that we just talked about. But we kind of know what we get with Russell Westbrook in the postseason. Right. I got to say, like, as we get closer to this, I'm more optimistic about Oklahoma City now. Does that mean first round win, second round win? I, I don't know yet, but I need to see some games. I need to see some scrimmages. Uh, but going into Orlando, I'm pretty optimistic for uh, the Thunder just because of Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, winning a first-round series feels possible to me. Uh, winning a second-round series really feels unlikely, truthfully. Um, unless things – if they're playing anyone but the Los Angeles Clippers or the Los Angeles Lakers in the second round, you might could talk me into it. Uh, but facing either one of those teams, I just – I'm just in the category right now where we're maybe blowing out this. We have no idea what's going to happen. I think the most talented teams are going to win. I think that's what's going to happen because that's generally what wins. The only wild card I will accept uh, is Houston just because they, they have, could, they they have could, so much talent. They could hit 50% of their threes, and all of a sudden they're the greatest offense in the league. And then they can miss or they a zillion go, threes in right. a row yeah, and then get just, bounced. The variance is so wide. I, just them, they could get eliminated in the first round or they could make it to the finals. I'm open to either. Uh, but outside of that, I think it's going to be pretty predictable just because – 
talent wins games, and just because they're playing on neutral sites doesn't really change that. That doesn't really change my perspective on anything. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, like I'm really interested uh, when the schedule comes out. Like reports are Friday, correct? Did you see that on Twitter? Oh, there. What do you mean the reports? That the schedule could be released. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Friday. I'm wondering if the scrimmages will be televised. I would imagine that they would want to televise them for just profit. But oh yeah, yeah. They will. T- oh, we talked to John Radigan, and he says they fully expect those to be televised. Okay, cool. Um, I don't know how much we're going to be able to learn from the scrimmages because, like, you just kind of go into it with like the preseason mindset of like these games don't matter, don't like take them a lot from them. But at the same time, we have to kind of take a lot from these scrimmages. Because which teams are dribbling the ball off their foot because they haven't played in three months? Which teams look a little bit more fluid and sound? They're going to have a big leg up. And if it's a team like Denver that just looks like, man, they, they look like they haven't missed a beat, and the Clippers are out there just struggle bussing. Like, yeah, I would still pick the Clippers over the Nuggets, but at the same time, I now feel a lot better about the Nuggets going into this than I do the Clippers. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe. I, I'm totally open to that. I just think that we're going to see – it's like, oh, yeah, the Clippers have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Like, those two guys are really good. If things go sour, they'll just pass them the ball and let them go score. Um, where I, I do, to your point about Denver, I think they are way more reliant on flow and, uh, you know, rhythm, rhythm yep. uh, than, like, a team that's just super reliant on superstars. The Lakers and the Clippers, I, I just think they're going to be okay. Like, I just don't think it's going to matter. Like, I think they're going to get better as it goes on. I'm open to that idea. But they're just baseline of we're just way more talented, especially the Clippers. We're just way more talented than you get over it. Like, for God's sake, do you remember that the Clippers have Reggie Jackson? <laughs> I was looking yeah, at their another, roster the another, day, another go, transaction that went down right before the high Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, Reggie Jackson started a game for the Clippers before this all ended. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, like, I just, they've, they've just got so much talent. I just, I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm just not worried about the Clippers coming back. They might be rusty, but at the end of the day, they have two of the best 10 players in the league. Same for the Lakers. I mean, talent in the NBA, it's all about margin for error. So, like, the Clippers just have more guys that on any given night can win you a game. Now, if we can both admit Milwaukee, they need Giannis to be good. If Giannis comes out rusty and looks like they can't afford that. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they are so run. heavily they're, – they're like, they're like the Kevin Durant Thunder where they are – Heavily reliant on Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook to do all the scoring, do all the rebounding, right. do all the uh, ball handling, everything. And if Kevin Durant has an off night, then the Thunder are going to be hard-pressed to win a game, even though they're probably better as a team than the team that they're playing. Sure. So, yeah, like Milwaukee is – that. I mean, that's why I kind of feel a little bit stronger about a team like Boston, a team like Indiana, maybe even Miami, uh, just because they're not so heavy, heavily reliant on one guy to do X, Y, and Z. But – um, I guess, Chisholm, before we get out of here, the big thing with the Thunder is, are they going to add anybody? And the prevailing thought is just, okay, well, Lou Dort's the obvious. Like, If they're going to do anything, Lou Dort's going to have a say in it. Um, the NBA's already said that two-way players are now eligible for the playoffs, so they, they're not, they don't have to sign him to Correct. a full NBA contract. Um, but they, there are pros and cons to either signing him or not signing him. Uh, a lot of that just concerns the next season, whether he'd be on con- under contract with the Thunder. Uh, I'll just say this. like, let, Let's kind of revisit Lou Dort real quick because a lot of it just kind of comes from what we've seen out of Terrence Ferguson and uh, the things that he went through during the season. I'll just say this. Like, in 10, 15 games or whatever, call me crazy – I feel better about Lou Dort's future than Terrence Ferguson's because we've seen enough out of Terrence. We know what he is by now. Do you think there's a, I, the one thing this quarantine has given me a moment to do is kind of pause and go, are we having like a uh, Deontay Burton moment with Lou Dort? 
Because you remember Deontay Burton basically last year, uh, Christmas game against Houston, kind of like had a coming out party where he just like he helped them win a Portland game. Uh, it was I believe it was the game where Russ and Paul George had triple doubles. I just know at Christmas he played and he like played defense against James Harden for like three possessions and looked halfway decent, hit a couple threes no one expected, and then just had a crazy dunk. And everyone was going, oh, this guy. And, like, we had, like, a month where Deontay Burton looked like a high-energy player who could do a whole lot, was super bouncy, and now he's with the Blues well, see, some weeks. See, the, so, pro- the problem that Deontay had that Lou Dort doesn't have is Deontay is too big to be – he's too big to be a wing, and he's too small to be a power forward. So he, he was he's the bad kind of tweener, whereas Lou Dort can fit perfectly in the position that he's asked to play, and he has the motor. Deontay Burton, like, that was probably the most shocking thing. And I, God love him. He was a friend of the podcast, and I love talking to the guy. But that's the most shocking thing from year one to year two is that motor that we saw in summer league last year and then his rookie year in the NBA kind of left, whereas Lou Dort has had it because he got thrust into the starting lineup and go chase Dame, go chase James Harden, go chase this all-star, yeah. and he met the challenge. But he also isn't shy on offense. And I guess that's the biggest thing with me is just – don't look scared. If you're on a playoff team, you cannot have a starter that is scared on offense. And Terrence Ferguson is just scared. Yeah, he's scared right now. I totally agree as far as Terrence is concerned. I guess my thing with Lou Dort is we have these guys who we expect nothing out of, right? We had no expectations of so Lou when Dort. they do. So when they do something shiny, so when they it's do like, something, Whoa. we're like, hey, this guy can play basketball. Yeah. Like it's, a, it's almost like we treat them like they're 22-year-olds from a different country who's never heard of the sport, and then when they can dribble, we're all impressed. <laughs> and so – we're having this moment with Lou Dort where it's like, hey, this guy, he can do things. Yeah, he's doing things for an NBA team. And in reality, he's not closing games. Dennis Schroeder is playing, you know, the shooting guard, basically, in the closing stretches of games. He's playing defense against, you know, against the better players in the league. Yes, he's an above-average NBA defender in stretches. Yes, but he's also got Chris Paul, one of the smartest guys next to him. He's got Shea Gilles Alexander next to him and Steve Adams in the low post. He's all helping him out. So he's in a pretty good situation defensively. Yep. And when it really, when we look back at the bigger picture, right, we zoom out, we quit just staring at the, we had no expectations he's doing something, and we look at the bigger picture, we go, oh, yeah, this is just like a guy. Like he's just, which Deontay Burton is just a guy. Is he better than Deontay Burton? I think so. But we're, it's almost like we're treating him like this guy's going to be a starter for the next 10 years in the league, like the way that we're talking about him. And I'm ready to put the put the, the foot to the brake there a little bit and just go, he's in a good situation, he's performing, but he could not be on an NBA roster in three years. I think at the very least the Thunder have have seen enough that, okay, we can invest in this guy. Let, let's see oh, where, he's absolutely let, worth let, investing. Let's see where this takes I'm us. I'm not saying they shouldn't sign him. I'm just saying I think there's some people out there who are treating him like he's going to be the shooting guard for the Thunder for the next five years, and I'm just not convinced. Mm. And I'll admit that my mindset when it concerns the Thunder is still kind of stuck in the old era where the Thunder were just basically a two-guard away from being really fucking good. They were a two-guard away from being a complete team. They, yeah. always, they, they missed James Harden so, for so long. They didn't necessarily need him to win a title, but if they had him, my goodness – Things could have been different. So let me rattle these names off for you. These are the best available free agents by CBS Sports for Orlando. I think you and I both agree if they were going to upgrade somewhere, it would be the backup shooting guard. I'd say power forward. And then power forward is yeah. my second one. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins. No. Joe Johnson. Power no. forward. Okay, no. Isaiah Thomas, point guard. No. Tyler Johnson. Oh, you know, he just signed. He with, just signed. With the Nets. Brooklyn. Trey Burke. No. Ryan Anderson. No. Anthony Tolliver, power forward. I think he just got signed by Memphis. Did he? Yeah. Uh, Gerald Green, friend of Chris Paul. Former OSU Cowboy almost. <sighs> they would have won the championship that year if Gerald <laughs> Green was on that team. You're not going to convince me otherwise. Uh, I could 
I can maybe see that. Gerald Green, I can totally There's see. There's a Chris Paul connection. Yeah, Paul Gasol loves Oklahoma City's opera life. Uh, yeah, but he wouldn't have to worry about that. I, I don't know about Disney World opera, but no, probably no, not. No, he's, gonna, he's going to a guy who's going to try to win a title, right? Too old to begin He's going to go be the 15th man on a title team. He's too old. Milwaukee or someone like that. Nene? Ten years ago, yes. Jordan Bell? Uh, three years ago, yes. J.R. Smith? <laughs> no, he just signed. Jamal Crawford? Does not like Oklahoma City. Lance Stevenson? I think he's back with Indiana, right? Is he? I think so. Okay. Uh, no, he's with the Lakers. I thought he was with the Lakers. No, no, no. He was with the Lakers last year. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know where he is currently, but he's listed as an available free agent. Uh, last two, and I would say these are my personal two most likely. Iman Shumpert, who said on social media that he would sign in Oklahoma said City. Said it on Instagram, man. It's official. And he's a defensive wing who's long and lengthy who has a streaky shot. Does that sound familiar? Who, who is the dude who... Instagram storied from the Thunder's practice facility last year. It was in the off season. It's yes. a dude played the Kings. Oh, what's his name? Can't remember. I played for the Kings. Yeah. I got nobody. I'm lost. I'll have to look this up. But yeah. Uh, and then finally, the truthfully, if I if you were said, okay, Chisholm, you're in charge of signing one player. This is probably the guy I go after. Alan Grab. I'd agree. Um, Alan Crabb's always been a guy that... Again, this is like your 10th man, so... Yeah. How much stock do you want to put into that? I'm not saying this guy's going to change... Uh, Oklahoma City, not a title contender, signs Alan Crabb, title contender. Ben McLemore. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Ben McLemore was the name. Houston Rocket, power forward, Ben McLemore. Yeah. Uh, Alan Crabb makes a lot of sense. He's made a lot of sense to me, like, in a Thunder uniform for the last three or four years. Yeah. Um, just overpaid. Like, when he got that Brooklyn deal, I was like, yeah, that's just never going to happen. Right. Uh, but, yeah, he'd be a nice piece, and it's just something that I have a high opinion of Darius Baisley, but I have the same opinion with rookies going in the postseason that I always have is, like, you you just cannot depend on them. Right. And I don't know if you listened to Thunder Buddies podcast uh, from the Oklahoma Joe Masato and Barry Trammell are on it, um, but Barry brought up the point that, you remember Demonis Sabonis in 2017 where he had kind of, like, he showed you a lot off, like, on the floor during the regular season, and then you, you just could not play him. Yeah, they played Todd Gibson. Well, there were a lot of reasons for that. You know, the matchup, they had Todd Gibson. Russ didn't know his name. Russ didn't know his name. And then also, Demonis was put in a box where he, like, this is the one or two things that you do. And it was it was a box that he was completely uncomfortable with. Now, by now, he's, he's kind of comfortable stepping outside the three-point line. But he's become the player that he was probably ultimately supposed to become. Yeah. The Thunder just didn't need to use him in that fashion. So I think that that's kind of an unfair comparison to make. Sure. Whereas Darius Baisley has been allowed to just become the be the player that he's most comfortable with being. And because I think he has a high basketball IQ, I think, yeah, that, that's definitely – if you're talking about rookies that can play in the, in the playoffs, he's not going to be off the floor because he's not physically ready to be, be on the floor because we've seen him go up against bigger guys and hold his own. Uh, we've seen him go up against faster guys and hold his own because of his length. And his, he's smart. I just I think that he's the type of rookie that you can at least throw out there, and he's not going to do anything embar- to embarrass you. He's not going to do anything to net negative you. Yeah. I think we've seen enough out of Darius that you can depend on that. So um, while there is a need at power forward, and there's always been a need at power forward, I think Danilo Gallinari and Darius Baisley, I think you can get away with it. Do you think ha- the Thunder are having the same conversation about Lou Dort starting as a rookie? That's And that's kind of the interesting thing. Yeah, I would uh, say they are. Now, you would uh, you would think Terrence Ferguson has all of his stuff, all of his off-the-court stuff situated, and is probably in a much better mindset. Maybe that equals better play on the floor. Maybe he's not as timid on offense because he's clear of mind. 
that that's of course on the table. And if Terrence is still coming off the bench, then that's a great option to have come off the bench, a defensive stopper that can give you some scoring, you know, shooting when sure. he's on. Sure. All right, man. That's yeah. all I got. That was my list. Yeah, good for me. Uh, yeah. Thank you again for the press, <laughs> and uh, thank you again for the nice weather. And yeah, patio is beautiful. Uh, Chisholm, I guess we will talk to. I will talk to you later on today on the radio, and we will be back next Wednesday. Sounds good. Adios.